Parts for the Shutter Shindig Part 2, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Well, choke a chicken, come on in. On the last episode, Hank, the world's greatest, and I, Alexander Nash, discussed the Castle Freak remake in Slacks with two X's. Now, let's see. Where were we when the Boot Scoot and Boogie done Boot Scooted last week? They're just bashing the movies. Eh, I, I liked Slacks. I, I, we were talking about this before the show started, but I don't know. This might be... We'll, we'll have a discourse on the other one, but this might be my favorite movie on the list. This might get my highest rating. I'm not sure. I, we, we, it's, it's number two for me because my highest rating is the next film we'll be talking about. It's um, a movie by uh, Brian... Boitano. <laughs> Bertano, yeah, I can never remember his name. The man it's who Brian Bertino, but I remember the, the South Park movie. What did Brian Boitano do if he were here right yes, now? Yes, it is not Brian Boitano. <laughs> he would kick an ass or two. That's what Brian Boitano There we go. Well, let's get ready. It's time to party. The Shutter Shindig Part 2 begins now. I'm Linnea, and I like Death by DVD. It's a statement. Yeah, it's not him. He had nothing to do with this movie. It's the guy that did The Strangers and the uh, Not Good Strangers 2, Pray at Night. If I'm going to shit on any movie on this episode, it's going to be The Strangers 2. Well, he also made a movie that I really enjoyed, uh... Do you have the IMDb pulled up, Hank? Is it The Monster or just Monster? The Monster 2016. And that's only relevant because I will be bringing it up and talking about this next film, which is a movie called The Dark and the Wicked. And again, a movie that was getting high praise on Twitter from all the horror critics. Watched it, and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Not a terrible movie. Not by a long shot. It's not terrible, but... I don't understand the high praise it was getting. I, I won't call it terrible by any means, but I, I actually got annoyed when I finished this movie and, and on everything out of this list. I felt like my time had been absolutely fucking stolen from me with, with one scene, which just so happens to be the ending of the film. And I, I often don't get that annoyed by things. A bad movie is a bad movie. If I'm going to sit down and watch White Chicks, I know what I'm getting into. I completely understand the environment I'm getting into. But for the most part, this movie was shot well, written well, edited well. It was scary. Like, like well, it made me written. uncomfortable. Well, it, you get to a point that it's the writing starts going downhill. So you've got, let's say, a quarter of good writing. You, you've got a theory of good writing, maybe a couple paragraphs. I'm, I'll, I'll start getting a little snide here. You go from something that has like, like really like the first Amityville movie has a certain type of fear that to me is timeless. I can watch that movie in the middle of the day in the middle of summer, a perfect, bright, sunny day, and it still makes my skin crawl. The Exorcist actually doesn't. I don't know why I brought that one up. Amityville 2, another pretty good scary movie. <laughs> Poltergeist, that movie, again, has just the... Here's a, an off-call one. Day of the Dead, when you've got that haunting, uh, like, screaming that you hear from coming deep within the minds. 
always frightens me. This movie had so much of that characterization, it had so much that was just really getting to me. As the movie progressed, it slowly became... I don't know, backward. It, it went from terrifying me to just fucking annoying me over and over and over <laughs> again. Like, you would, you would bring up these absolutely great points. You have all the great ideas of terror and the triggers that really get under people's skin. I mean, it even had, like, a Fulci level of, of thought put into what makes the audience feel fear. And I don't know, it's like, it, it started like a fucking Kubrick movie, and then it ended up like something Polly Shore could have been in. Well, that's, no, that's not true. Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> St yeah, could, yeah, Stephen Baldwin could have yeah. easily been in this by the end of the movie. That God, that's mean, but fuck. <laughs> the plot of the film is there is a family in the, basically the middle of nowhere on a farm. It's an older couple, and their children come back because the father of the family is dying. The IMDb says it's just a nondescript rural town. Yeah, it's it's like fucking Iowa. Who who the fuck knows? They're out in the middle of nowhere on this farm, and the the uh, adult children of this family return to help with the uh, the the care of this the dying father, it's basically hospice horrors. Well, the mother the is film. is what, what brings them back home. The father is is I I don't I God look at us just fumbling over it because both of their parents are alive at the very beginning of the film, and the father is rapidly decreasing health wise. But is the mother beginning to get dementia? I thought that was kind of the kicker that it's really similar in aspects to the film Relic that they're not just suffering the loss of a parent, but the loss of a parent's essence with something like dementia that the mom's not uh you know as firm as she used to be and is starting to have trouble i don't know i could be completely fucking wrong well even if it, if it's true or not true it remains somewhat irrelevant because her character goes pretty goddamn quick she's in the first 10 minutes and it's incredibly effective her death scene i guess you could say um like there's the scene with her um preparing dinner and chopping carrots and she ends up chopping her fingers off um well you say it, it like it's like a kitchen accident she takes the top of them off she dices them like she's making coleslaw it's it's <laughs> it's fucking graphic and it's wonderful and this is one of the points that i mean like you you're really using the audience yeah i thought it was gonna keep up like that yeah man. exactly and 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 that and i was excited i mean and you're really what like eight nine minutes into the movie when something like this happens so you're like all right this is this is one of those fucking things that's really gonna get under my skin and it, it's, I don't know, it's like they wrote it from... It just starts to sputter. It just yeah. starts to, like, lose gas, like, about halfway through. It's like Castle Freak and Slacks, Pants, Nickaroons. Like, God damn it, why can't I remember the name of it? It doesn't matter. All of these films progressively seem to get worse as it's like, somebody came up with an idea, and they sat down and wrote it, and you brought up at the beginning of this, uh, modern horror seems to be getting an okay budget. Modern horror looks good. Modern horror sounds good. All the problems. Brian Bertano knows how to direct. He knows how to light a scene. He knows how to direct acting in a scene. He knows exa exactly what he's after as far as visually concerned and the story he is trying to tell. Well, all the problems with horror in general, like in the 80s and the 90s, even in the 70s, you couldn't get a good horror movie produced. It was scraping together nickels to try and get this done. Now these people have these massive budgets, and it's like fucking... Well, massive is... I don't know massive. Well, but, I mean, you know. I'm, like $3 million is com compared to people that are shooting on 10000 you know, three, four, five million is like The Witch was shot on $3 million. To me, where I'm at... With the cameras I have, that's fucking massive. But well, it's so, a huge yeah. budget. But I'm I'm just saying in general, like 
it's not horror 50, has become a direct to VOD sort of a genre, and this, they're not making major motion pictures. But, but do you they see what are... I mean? Like all the problems with with horror and why people struggle to make horror movies no longer exists, and and now literally the one problem is is what made horror watchable. You could watch some awful shot on video horror movie that was horrible effects, no fucking money, but the story was so thoughtfully and carefully and what precisely the heart, written. The heart behind making the film, the just the the sheer determination of getting this product finished now it seems like everything's backward and it's like here are these immaculate looking movies with no fucking story nothing whatsoever and i struggle to figure out what happens in this movie i mean i guess there's some sort of demon that is 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 possessing the area he's been with the family for like you know forever the father it specifically wants his soul for some reason despite it getting multiple other ones throughout the film i'd say the creepiest scene for me is when the the mother character who has you know, has died at this point, shows up like in the background of a scene and is just kind of chilling outside in the garden and Floats. it's like a very uh, wide shot. It's like, oh shit, that's that's real fucking creepy actually. That's again, it's like the first 30, 40 minutes of the film and then we start to sputter out towards the end. Xander Berkeley's in the film uh, from Candyman and uh, numerous other genre films. He's really good as a uh, polter- uh, Poltergeist 2-esque kind of a preacher type character. Um, well, even toward the end of the film, you have some really effective scenes. Spoilers all the way, people. Spoiler, 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 chameleon. Yeah, that's a thing now. Spoiler chameleon. It comes and goes. The brother ends up committing suicide, and suicide scenes always get to me really, really badly in the first place. That one but... didn't at all. It felt dopey. I, I liked what happened here. I thought, like, okay, we're going to finally start returning to kind of this weird, tricky nature of the spirit, or or we're going back to kind of like an 80s vibe with what's going to happen here. It, it it means nothing to the movie. You're given this great sequence. The brother ends up dying. To me, it was horrific. Nash didn't mean anything to him. And for the most part, I have to agree with you because you have the sequence. I like the sequence. I like how it was shot. I, I like what happens to him. Well, I mean, I don't like it. I like... <laughs> It's a hard thing to explain here. Guy fucking kills himself. I don't like that. I like what I'm seeing. I like how it's shown to me on screen. But the effect means literally nothing. The sister doesn't even find out about it. It doesn't come back to her. It's just like, okay, we shocked you again, didn't we? He arrives at his conclusion to kill himself rather quickly. Oh, my family's dead. Slit my own throat. Oh, shit. They're walking in the door. It's just like, whoa. What? (laughs) Hold on a second. Really where that becomes problematic with this is it's just like this we were talking about a creep show earlier, this like little signet that just pops into the movie that the character was really important to what was happening and, and being there with the sister and, and how this progresses doesn't end up doing anything for the story. It makes you suddenly dislike a character that you didn't really particularly care for in the first place, but you don't want anything bad to happen to them. You're witnessing this. You you don't have an avatar in this movie. You're just dealing with what they're dealing with. And at some point, like with Poltergeist, for example, you do get a payoff. It's not the clearest explanation, but you get an explanation as to what's been happening to this family. The way this movie's handled and when it finally gets to its ending, it's like, all right, thanks for literally wasting my fucking time. You've, you've done nothing. You, I can't applaud you. I can't do anything here. That was my problem overall with the film was, and comparing this to the film Relic from last year, that movie was about numerous things, but it was mostly about grief. And... Despite what all the plot is and all that shit, it's about, you know, the inner workings of family and the grief of losing a loved one. And this film 
has the exact same idea working of a father dying and like a kind of style of hospice care where they're slowly fading away. And then like an evil deity uh, interrupting that process. And the acting was fine. It just didn't seem like in the script that they had any idea or he had any idea, depending on you know how many people wrote it, but of what just Brian it's written and directed of what the, the story was supposed to be about, because it seems like similar. It's supposed to be a story about grief, but it's not being conveyed. It ends up being a bunch of plot trappings of, well, this goes to this scene, which goes to this scene, goes to this scene. And it's not, there's no emotional component to bring these scenes together. And comparing this to his film, the monster, that film is literally about a mother and a daughter trapped on a deserted highway in the middle of the night. And there is a monster, attacking them and their car to, won't run that's that's the basic plot but really what the movie is actually about is this mother is incredibly selfish has been incredibly selfish her entire time her entire life she has a child and a child she didn't want is incredibly selfish towards that child and eventually once they are in this horrible situation she learns to not be selfish and sacrifice her own life to save her child and it's that's the character arc that this character goes through. And that's what the movie is about is about this person realizing that being selfish has been the wrong way. And she grows as a person. And that is what I'm missing from the dark and the wicked is there's the human element is just not there. We're missing a place to sympathize. Yes. Cause the, the female character, yeah, she's getting like creeped out a lot. A lot of bad stuff is happening to her and she's freaking out, but that's it. She's just freaking out. I don't like, I'm not getting her, involvement with the family as much i'm not understanding well even besides that who are we supposed to be sympathizing with at first we have the mother who's losing her husband and she's out of touch with her children so we're introduced to this plight it's like well that sucks your adult kids aren't always there for you and your husband's dying and they don't really care then we get rid of the mother so it's like the sister instantly takes that over and starts arguing with their brother of i'm the one doing everything i need help i'm taking care of dad so we just get the same thing repeated who do i care about here do i care about family squabbles which i'm not particularly like interested in unless there's some sort of payoff to that squabble well i would care about them if it was like done by fucking cassavetes like you were saying earlier because then if it didn't matter whatsoever at least i was going to get some form of emotion or something that was going to make me at the end of the day look at a situation differently like you can just watch a Woman Under the Influence by John Cassavetes. It's it's a movie just about a, a an unstable woman who is living her life, and it's just a moment of her and her husband. Sounds pretty fucking quaint and bland. It's and- a snapshot of time that you spend with these people, and that is literally all it is. But it's the most entertaining goddamn two hours. And of it your breaks life. your heart. It makes you sick. You you relate and you hate and you feel everything that you could possibly feel. And in a situation like this, we began so strongly. I could understand where the brother was coming from and the sister, and I understood the struggle that the mother was feeling. All of that hit me like 15 minutes in. All right, we've got a ride here. We're working on it. Then it slowly like unweaves itself to the point that when we get that last shot, which made me hate my experience watching this movie, I didn't give a fuck about anybody. You gave me nothing to give a fuck about. I, you gave me no... Emo- <laughs> You made me feel bad for these people because they're in a bad situation, but you didn't actually give me a reason to feel bad for them aside from that. And it makes I don't even know really how the movie ends. It's it's that loose to me. I mean, I guess it's a fucking zombie movie now. I don't know.
Death by DVD to bring you information about lizards, their tails, and the jerky that can be made from it. Anki Hank's Lizard Tip Jerky. The self-sustaining treat for you and me to eat. Ranch, bacon, jalapeno, iguana. We got all the exotic flavors. Cranch, that's ketchup and ranch. Unky Hank's Lizard Tad Jerky. Find out how you can start a new career in the Lizard Tad Jerky business. Call 1-877-772-7337 and have a hundred American dollars ready. After 10 easy cash payments, we'll teach you how to start your new life in the Lizard Tail Jerky business. It's Lizard looking good. Ain't no lizards even harmed. Just listen to them. Some happy lizards. The secret here at Onky Hank's Lizard Tail Jerky is that we feed the lizards their own tails. That's right, it's self sustaining. Lizards eat lizard tail, just makes it even tastier for you. No lizards harm the forming of this definitely not well. Okay, maybe possibly a little pyramid scheme. Actually, it's more of a diamond you see, not so much a pyramid you start the top and you I'll buy a t-shirt. Speaking of somebody who has lost a parent in a similar fashion of watching them slip away, like basically laying there for all extents and purposes dead in a bed and you're just waiting for their their whatever their spirit to fucking leave the body whatever the hell you want to call it you're slowly watching them die there's so many emotional places you could take this idea and they end up they start doing that and then they just forget about it halfway and it becomes like plot trappings of a horror film and just about like it no longer becomes about her father as much as it becomes just about demon after me. What does demon do? Demon jump out from behind the bookcase. Demon makes person do something violent to themselves. And it's just like, it's yeah, it ends up being a bunch of jump scares and like dumb plot trappings that are mostly not even fucking explained. It's just like, yeah, demons do demon shit. And it's like, well, I don't care about the demon aspect. I care about how the demon aspect is affecting this person mentally other than just scaring them. Like why, like specifically how is it going to affect this person's level of grief? How is the person's grief figured into this plot? And it just, it just seemed like it seemed like it was there to further the plot. And that's all it was, but the plot is not that interesting. I guess is my point is the plot itself is not that interesting. So why fall back on that as opposed to the emotional character arc of the story? You had before that, at least three or four different uh, 
plot points that really could have worked for the advantage of the movie, even exploring the brother and sister's relationship more. Yes. But I think what really is, is ultimately disappointing is you talk about they they have this demon that's affecting them, and the demon needs the father's soul. Throughout the movie, like, four fucking people die from the demon's hand. So it's got all these souls, still goes after the father. That's the whole point. We get no payoff. It doesn't matter that we don't get some made-up demon's name or something lifted from the lesser key of Solomon. We get literally nothing. How it happened, why it happened, why these people are being affected by it. Nope. Fuck that. Doesn't matter. You don't get so, anything. So yeah, what you end up with is, I don't know, just a bunch of stuff happened. Like, I don't what Why did a bunch of stuff happen? It's a demon. It matter. It's scary, right? I mean, it's, it's it's supposed to scare you. It's a demon. Wouldn't that be scary if it happened to you? And the way the fucking movie ends, it's like, again, opens up a whole new concept. So guess what? The demon also, apparently, when you die, can make you a zombie and you're going to eat your daughter, maybe? Uh, what? Why did the movie end? What the fuck? It just ended, too. It's just like this really heartfelt scene of her embracing her father as he dies, as she feels she has conquested the demon and everything's going to be okay. Here's the big M. Night Shyamalan twist. He passes away and then instantly comes back and, like, attacks her, eats her, something or another. Ooh, it's scary. Yeah, It just didn't seem like it, it knew where it wanted to go. It seemed like it wanted to actually do a lot of effective creepy scenes but even those start to sputter out throughout towards the end of the movie and it becomes a bunch of jump scares and not super effective like emotionally riveting jump scares or anything like that like Just uh, stuff so something like uh, don't look now which the the jump scare at the end of that movie or even uh, another donald sutherland movie um invasion of the body snatchers that scene where the uh, human face shows up on the on the dog's body where it's just like the first time you see that it just kind of runs a chill up your spine and you just go, I don't know what I'm seeing. And this movie is lacking that in spades. It's just lacking so much of that spine chillingness. Well, it's not even the first time. It, it's like the 20th time you watch that movie, it still gets to you. I've seen this film once and I just, I didn't have the energy to watch it again. And and we know infamously listening to me rant on Death by DVD, I usually watch the movies a handful of time. Everything else I watch twice. I, I just couldn't bother with this. I don't think I'll ever watch it again either. And and really, it's because of the emotion I was given at the end of the movie. There was no payoff, and I'm not asking for much. I didn't need you guys to go to the Vatican and explore who the demon is or call a priest in. I don't need any of that faff. I just wanted some sort of reason why all these bad things are happening to these people. It doesn't have to be some elaborate story from the 1920s where their bloodline crossed with... No, I don't give a shit. I just needed to know why all these bad things were happening to them. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. To further reference a woman under the influence, it's a story about a bunch of bad things happening to people. Why is it happening? One of the characters is severely mentally un unwell, and they need help, and no one around them wants to address the problem or give her the help she needs. They want to give her the help they feel she needs. That's the point of the story. That's that's it. And you know how it ends? She she doesn't get the help she needs and life goes on because that's just how the cycle viciously works. This movie, I guess, ends with zombie dads. I don't fucking know. I, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, and again, to compare it to Relic, it's that movie has an emotional ending that complements the rest of the film. It like it brings the entire story of what they were saying all together to a head and just and it becomes this incredibly like depressing uh meditation on grief and how we are alone when we die but we also have family so we don't have to be you know there's a lot of different ideas coming from that and this movie was just like haunted house 
haunted house, haunted house. And I'm like, well, I don't care. I, I know there's a guy who's going to jump out. Oh, this lady's like stabbing her eyes out with a knitting needle. Okay. Why do I care? And it just never gave me a reason to particularly care about it. I just needed anything, just anything to grasp to, whether it was the, the characterizations of the humans were watching or the entity or the reasoning behind it. I needed something and it was unfathomable to me. You get like 45, 50 minutes in and that's where it finally hit me. Like there's, there's, they're not going to resolve it at this point. What's there to resolve? They're just continuously introducing more and more things. I think it's bad writing. The directing's fine. It looks great. It's a very well shot movie. It's edited well. I thought the soundtrack and the, you know, ethereal whooshing that plays throughout the movie, it all worked. Everything worked. I mean, uh, Brian Brian Bertino is a talented director. He's a talented writer. This was just like, and that's really what it, like really is like weird about it is he um, did the monster, which I thought was like a way superior movie to this. And he was also a um, producer on black coats daughter, which you could say has a, you know, kind of a similar thing going on with like, you know, demons and fucking devil worship and shit like that. But that movie told the story and it was emotional at the end overall of like this, this little girl who spent her whole life just wanting a friend and her only friend, the only thing that she perceived of a friend was being this evil entity. And it's also left her and she's all alone by herself. Like, and that's like in a powerful emotional story that is also involved with basically a ghost story, a possession story, you know, all that, all those different things. Well, you know, the thing that comes down with that movie is it's fucking thoughtful. And uh, Oz Perkins' most recent venture is a completely different film. It, it's Hansel and Gretel. Gretel and Hansel. I'm sorry. It's Gretel and Hansel. Totally different direction. And I think it's a bit more incomplete of a film. But you can even see as he's growing, a lot of thought was put into this. And it's one of the things with Brian Bertino that gets me a little confused is he came out of the box really strong. I, I'll admit I've not seen The Monster. The Stranger's to pray at night you and i saw together you remember how offended i was at the end of that film i did not enjoy what i had seen and then we have this i kind of feel like the announcer that's doing the contest in billy madison the adam sandler movie i award you no points i have nothing like (laughs) this movie annoyed me to that that extent that i have fucking nothing to say outside of what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. I didn't dislike it as much as you did. Um, it's a three and a half out of five stars for me. I thought just on filmmaking alone, it deserves a little bit of higher praise. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was a waste of time. It just it was missing an element. And if you had just taken time to go back on that script and really try to introduce that human element to it, I think you really could have had something there. But overall, I mean, it's a it's an okay like creepy movie to watch with people. I will acknowledge what you just said and take that into a lot of consideration. There is a lot of excellence and precision when it comes to filmmaking. This is a good looking movie. But I'm getting to the point where I just can't excuse good filmmaking for bad writing. And I'm going to start developing a new rating scale here. And I'm going to call it, call it the pause scale. If I had to pause this movie more than five times to finish it because it made me lose my interest, I, I got to kick down some sort of points on it. 
And as this progressed, I kept finding reasons to pause it and go do something else because my interest <laughs> was just waning and waning and waning. So I won't be completely unfair and award it no points, but it will nowhere be as favorable as you. 2.5, my lowest, I Ooh. think. Yeah, yeah, I, that, that that's a little rough, man. Um, the filmmaking is exquisite, and I do I do ask the audience check it out for yourself. But I, I was just I, I I was really almost mad. I not just almost I was mad at the end of this movie. It pissed me off. You just gave me nothing. You took my time, and sure, you presented something that was eloquently done. I'll give great credit to that. It looks well, but it meant fucking nothing. And I could have watched anything. Else. I could have watched fucking Maury Povic for an hour or two, and it might have had, at least I would have known who the father is, at least would have gotten a resolution to the story, and this was just like, alright, stuff. I don't appreciate stuff. I do appreciate stuff that looks good, but I mean... Even the most senseless music video goes somewhere in two minutes and 45 seconds. Well, speaking of a pause scale, the next one we'll be talking about, I wanted to pause a lot, but I couldn't because at the last minute, Hank picked this film for us to talk about, and I had to watch this fucker, so I had to get it done rather quick, couldn't pause it to go do anything else, you bastard. <laughs> I will say on your behalf, I did watch this movie all in one sitting. But that doesn't mean anything. So, fuck, I've already found holes in my pause scale of reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> I just announced it like five seconds ago, and I've already... It's already rot with controversy. <laughs> Son of a bitch, because I watched this movie in its entirety, and uh, yeah, I don't... I, did I not like it. It's not going to be a good review. Surprise. 2020's Stay Out of the Fucking Attic, directed by Jaron Lauder, written by Jason Scott Goldberg. Now, there are bad movies... And I mentioned White Chicks earlier. That's a bad movie. It's not really enjoyable. I'm sure somebody listening to this will disagree with me because one of you is always out there. But this genuinely, this is a pretty bad movie. It's shot well, but that means fucking so little when you have well, We were nothing. quickly learning that with like new camera developments and the fact that most people have watched movies their whole lives and understand the basics of filmmaking, it ain't hard to craft a movie that looks pretty decent. But coming up with a good idea or a script seems to be the problem in most horror films at this point in history. And this is definitely one of those. I mean, I was touching upon this earlier, but you used to look back and you look at these movies from the 80s and like some of the stuff Vinegar Syndrome's putting out, and it's like, man, if only this could look good. If only this could have been shot on these big 4K cameras. And... It's because the writing was so thoughtful. It's because so much was put into it knowing that, man, this movie's going to look like shit, so we need to have it written well. Now that you have the absolute opposite, everything looks well. The effects are great. There's a budget. Budgets used to be like six guys with $50, and they knew a guy who might be able to get the film developed, who also works on trucks part-time outside of a gas station. It was the most dodgy fucking business in the world, and now it's... Instantly digital, you need to buy a couple programs to edit, and you can make things look exuberantly well. We were wrong. We were wrong for years. I don't give a fuck how good the movie looks anymore. Let's just go back to <laughs> shooting things on 8mm and the sound being 15 seconds off, if that's what it takes to give some ingenuity to something. And, you know, you were mentioning earlier with this whole digital era how you can just do kind of whatever you want to, when you're working with film, you can really only shoot what's necessary because film's pretty fucking expensive and getting it developed is even worse. And of course, that's not really applicable in this time period, but some of the things, some of the products we love so much is because these people only had a certain amount of film to do it with. They knew that they had to have precision. They knew that they had to have their actors 
to a certain point. And you hear about like William Friedkin and Stanley Kubrick and them being abusive to their actors. I'm not defending them in any means, but there kind of was a point sometimes. You only got enough film to get one certain shot. You can't have too many fuck-ups. Now it's days and days and days of being able to do retakes and being able to edit, being able to polish and being able to turn these things and manipulate them into something different. And you'd think that would be great. You really think that these tools would, would be mesmerizing and change the world. But just like the internet, the information superhighway where everyone can get into contact with any information they want to, it's mostly used for porn. And I'm not saying this movie's porn because I have a respect for porn and sex work and I think even at <laughs> gonzo like butt fucking porn can be <laughs> art. I don't see goddamn uh, dude, I'm coming out I'm coming hard with this one. <laughs> I don't see anything. See, I actually respect porn though. This not so much. <laughs> I, I don't have much respect for this. Jamie Gillis just fucking summoned in the ass for two hours. There might have been a plot. There most of the time there fucking was though. Like <laughs> You it, okay? So like some horny maid comes over. It's a maid service, and you're like trying to take a shower, and she starts jerking you off, and you're like, no, don't. It's a plot. There's a story there. I've already given you a story. All we have here is a bunch of fucking movers who happen to be ex-cons running to Joseph Mengla. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, like this movie is kind of fucking ridiculous for numerous reasons. Um, There's a girl in the attic, and her name's Anne. Ah, come on! Yeah, <laughs> the 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 lead uh, male is named Schillinger, and he is an ex neo Nazi. There's like two mm. people that's gonna get that joke, and I was fucking one of them. And I, I was the other one. You got your audience right here. What the fuck are you doing, Oz jokes? No one does that but me. <laughs> Jesus. But the general idea here is these three movies are all ex cons. One of them is a ex white supremacist. One of them is a Latino and one of them is a black woman. And they go to a house of an old Nazi who is, it turns out is a zombified. Well, we don't know he's an old Nazi right off the bat, but we, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, you with know. the accent and how he's acting and how the house looks, I would immediately go, who's this old fucking Nazi? You say the accent, like they, they got a German actor or something. But it's just a guy that's like, oh, I need you to make sure that everything is moved by morning. It's imperative you don't go in the attic. Because the movie is stay out of the fucking attic. And that really, like, I just gave the guy's performance here. And it's like a 35-year-old dude just, like, plastered down in fucking Elmer's glue. It, <laughs> it doesn't look that convincing. But so there's a reason. It, they explain basically... it. Basically... He's been doing experiments on twins because somebody read a book once about Mangala, and there's a chick with a Siamese twin on her back. Somebody read the Wikipedia page. There's a cougar man or a fucking like cheetah man. It's a puma man coming around at the first of the month. Um, but it's just this movie lacks any sort of sense. It's got a bunch of stuff. Like I mean, you were saying that about the the last film. This movie is literally it's it's like when you go to a yard sale and they just have a box filled with shit for like ten dollars and you can kind of look inside and see there's some video games and an old Playboy and it's like eh, it's ten dollars I'll buy it and you take it home and it's just a, a box filled with shit. Stay out of the fucking attic, 2020. It's just a box like but this box has literal shit in i'm <laughs> i'm not gonna just shit all over movies i'm just not gonna rip them apart it's a box filled with literal shit 
I, I just, I, the last movie I had no fucking enjoyment with. I actually enjoyed this one, though. I'll end up giving it a higher rating because it's one of those things from the first scene. Well, like, it didn't cock tease you. You knew exactly what you're getting from the beginning. This is something that I was really surprised didn't have Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hur's name at the beginning of it, which I, I might have enjoyed a little bit. Well, that's even insulting because we were talking about Father's Day by Astron 6 recently, and that's a fucking really good movie, even though it's completely asinine. This movie's and- missing any sort of anything like the acting is all terrible um the characters are shallow like very shallowly written like um the character of carlos he his arc in the film is he wants to do this job that this fucking nazi is paying them extra money to do because and the, the reason he wants to stay out of jail and stay off heroin is because he has a daughter and he wants valiant and he wants to pay for his daughter's tuition and all these other things. And he brings it up in one scene. And then later in the film, when he's up against some adversity, he pulls out his phone and on the lock screen is a picture of his daughter. Uh, father so, of the year. Oh, my God. And he realizes that he has to help this Anne character out who's being. So there's a little bit of an arc there. But the movie is 80 minutes fucking long. It's 80 minutes long, and you could have set this character up. You could have had him at the very beginning of the film hanging out with his family a little bit, like showing him with his daughter, really giving him a personality. But the film opens with them in a moving truck pulling up to the like the fucking house and going, well, we're a bunch of ex-cons, and we got to move this guy, and boy, we've got to keep with this job so we don't go back to jail. And then we just start in with all this shit. Like, character development is necessary in films. I need to know who these people are. I need to know why I need to care about them. But what happens to Carlos is even better than having a character named Anne that lives in the attic. Because Carlos gets affected by Zyklon B in a shower. Somebody just read the Wikipedia article on the Nazis in general. Like, not the whole thing, just skimmed through it. It was like, all right, showers, Zyklon B, twins, mangle. That's a Nazi thing. Swastika. Uh, this is a Nazi thing that they did in the experiment camps. The Brotherhood. It, it just fucking panders to everything but an audience. It's got all of these different emotions. It's like a, a weird episode of Law & Order guest directed by Rob Zombie. Well, no, that would even be better than what this turned out to be. Well, the, I mean, in the same scene where Carlos is talking about his daughter you find out that the uh, the, the main lead guy uh, you find out he was a neo-nazi in jail that he had to because the brotherhood had to protect him but now he wishes he could get rid of his tattoos but he has to earn to have clean skin as he says and then later in the film there's a revelation that fucking mingle is talking to his girlfriend who's the black character in the film and it's like oh by the way he was always a neo-nazi he didn't become one in jail. And I'm like, who cares? All right. He's a fucking Nazi. He was a Nazi either way. I don't care. He did it because he was in jail or he was doing it as a teenager. I don't, what is this revelation? Why do I give a fuck? He was a Nazi. It doesn't matter how many Nazi tattoos he has or how long he's been a Nazi. It, it's just he was that. He a Nazi. That's yeah. the end of it. <laughs> you're, you're just developing shit for no reason when there's nine minutes left of runtime in the fucking movie. What are you doing? What's this? Uh... I guess it was to try to give his character this this arc of like eventually because he does get that we clean needed skin a hero. when he cuts his own tattoo off for literally no reason Which makes before no stomping sense. Mangla's head in. He cuts one tattoo off where 
the guy's got SS bolts. He's got a swastika tattoo on his chest. He's got the German eagle with this big swastika emblazoned on it. Why just stop there? You've got two more, you fucking prick. It, <laughs> and then it's, it's, just, like, like, it's supposed to be this big scene of, like, he's finally coming clean and he feels good about himself that I'm no longer this Nazi. It's like, but you didn't earn anything. A Nazi beat the shit out of you and now you've kicked his fucking skull in. Okay. What does he do? He kicks his skull in. He, he curb stomps him. So, oh, look, look, look at it. Look at what we did there. You know that one movie where the guy with the swastika curb stomped somebody else? You know that movie? Look at what we did. And I don't know. I, I couldn't even relate to a form of emotion outside of laughing the entire time. And that's why I actually weirdly have an appreciation for this movie because it's a complete unintentional comedy. It, nothing worked. Everything that you tried to use to invoke emotion worked so poorly that it ended up being fucking hysterical of instantly. I'm just glad I'm one of the few people that can appreciate the joke that you ma named your neo-Nazi character Schillinger. For one, that gave me points like, all right, this fucking guy's watched every episode of Oz, so I already like him. I, <laughs> I, I already am enjoying what we're getting into here. And it's just... I don't know, this is like uh, years ago, years ago, I say this like it was recent. In the early 2000s, late 90s, all of Roger Corman's movies got remade for HBO and like uh, Teenage Cavemen and stuff like that that turned into what were sex comedies, pretty much borderline porn sex comedies that was a bunch of fucking and then some mi moderately cool special effects and uh, moderately cool special effects, usually really bad fucking special effects. And it's still, it's a Roger Corman remake. So there was a lot of charm to it. This played off that way. See, I could, like I could follow that line of thought, but if anything like moderately humorous was attempted, it's trying to be uber serious. Like it's important. And like, no, it's not. None of this important is important. It's very exploitive of like the idea of, like, like, yes, there are Nazi exploitation films, but even those seem to have a little bit more taste to them than this does, because it's just like there for the sheer like, well, you hate Nazis. Here's a Nazi experiment. We're going to gas this guy like they gas the Jews. And it's just like. What are you doing? I mean, you look at like an atrocity like Beast and Heat. That's such a fucking rough movie to sit through. And most of it really is is hardcore porn that's been edited into something else. But goddamn, there's a story for me to follow. And I understand what you're trying to present with me here. These people are, are movers, but everything is so on the nose. They're supposed to be moving this person. And I can go with kind of the Scooby-Doo vibe, a bad German accent. We know something's up here. And you immediately, you know, one of the other characters sees Schillinger's SS tattoo. And there's this whole telling scene about, well, you didn't say this. You're a motherfucking Nazi. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. Uh, a very, I think, emotional sequence where you, you finally start getting a realization. You been if you played it correctly but it's literally it played in like a very short five minute scene of everybody dropping what their character is as opposed to like earning it throughout well, telling it's handled like a fucking sitcom situation like all of them kind of share something and it's like one of those audience tracks oh now we're all buddies and we're just gonna work together and everything's okay who the fuck are any of you people? You just don't get a swastika tattoo from joining a prison gang. That means you, like, fucking killed some people to get into the Aryan Brotherhood. So, I mean, where are we going with this? What is the development of these characters? I understand that you're trying to present us wrong from right. Nazi bad. Again, it's just so on the fucking nose. How do we know it's Joseph Mengele? Because somebody kicks over a book and there's just a letter that says, I'm Joseph Mengele, pretty much. <laughs> He's got a giant red swastika painted on his office door. Oh, all right. I guess you're really trying to. I know Nazis bad. I get it. 
Well, slide me some grits and slap my ass. It's time for another round of Keith David or David Keith. Whose film debut was the superb, stunning, seminal 1979 movie Disco Godfather as an uncredited extra? Is it David Keith or is it Keith David? Well, cover me in oats and feed me to the doggies. It's Keith David. Well, I sure hope you put your weight on it. In this day and age, there is no excuse to be in a rat soup eating, born insecure motherfucker. Until next time, goodbye and good luck. What this movie was missing more than anything for me is something that was used in a movie from a few years back that I still think was not a very good film. But remember um, Frankenstein's Army Ooh, yeah. and all the kind of like the cool design Nazi experiments were that were in that film. These cool kind of monster designs. That's what this film it needed some of that. But like literally, you get is a chick with a dying Siamese twin on her and this weird, lumpy, Frankenstein-esque cougar man who's like... Well, the horrifying thing is it's not her Siamese twin, that she's a twin, and he sewed the other one to her and is forcing them to live as one for his experiments, and I get that. Like, the visuals for that, uh, I don't know, the whole Dr. Moreau guy you're talking about here, the, the Puma man or whatever the fuck he's supposed to be, I'm baffled by that. He's wearing, like, a uh, Hitler youth uniform. He's got the little tiny uh, German shorts on i can't remember what it's called the leader hosen he's got leader hosen on so i'm assuming that this was like some boy child of his uh mengla is very attached to this character and when they're dispatched he he's, gets very very violently upset i created him to let you know that schillinger is a nazi he recognizes a german insignia on a lock and that's how mengla who we don't know initially is joseph mengla i can't remember the character's name we have something is it like cletus it's it's no, it's a Vern, Vern or something like that. There we go. Yeah, Vern Mueller. So Cletus, you can see where I pulled that from. <laughs> well, they try to sympathize. They try to give you like because later in the movie, as you brought up, you find out that Albert Schillinger, played by Ryan Francis, is a higher ranking member of the Aryan Brotherhood than he let people on to know. And in the sequence with the lock, it's kind of like they're trying to to tell you that that. Oh, well, he would know that there's a German insignia on this lock, so this guy definitely should know that they're not... What the fuck are you doing? Like, it's just this weird time-wasting scene where uh, this is going even back to Castle Freak. You've got something really great here. You've got people going into a huge unknown situation with a bunch of weird monsters. Run with it. Put a swastika on them. We know the Nazis are bad. If somebody roots for them, well, fuck you. That's <laughs> You got the whole point wrong, but that would have been enough. Give us a monster movie. You gave us this weird monster movie that's trying to teach it, us yeah. a lesson, but it doesn't teach us a lesson. Again, this is like slacks or pantalones. The exploitive element was the Nazi element, and none of the monster element was exploited enough at all, and I just, I'm just i not interested in an exploitive Nazi element into a modern horror film. Like, Make me some interesting monsters. Make me something like to get behind in the film and it's just it's really focused on Nazi like memorabilia and regalia and shit. Just like I don't fucking care. 
I don't care about any of this. That's almost like a goofy version of the boys from Brazil. Like it takes a lot of these concepts and, you know, Mengele is still living somewhere in South America and he's working on these experiments with Himmler. I don't remember all the other Nazis. I've not seen the boys from Brazil in years. But the entire point of that goddamn film is that these Nazis are still alive and they're doing genetic experiments, which is pretty fucking horrifying. You don't even really get to see monsters or anything in that movie. It's just that concept. So you want to use something... But that's also a well-put-together drama film and not an exploitation horror film. And this is an exploitation horror film, and I need those elements, and it doesn't give them to me. So you want to use something like Nazis, which is incredibly effective. You can instantly instill emotion from people using something like the Third Reich, using something like imagery from Auschwitz and Dachau and the atrocities that were committed by Adolf Hitler and his regime. And then you don't fucking do anything with it. Like, here's a swastika. Isn't that effective? Well, I don't know. Maybe work on the angle more. And this is just kind of nitpicking here. I think the movie would have been a bit more successful if it had been handled as a period piece. Like, if this was 1980, 1979, and it could be, you know, Mengele still of, of a reasonable age to be alive, to have existed in this time period. And that's very stressful. It's really hard to do a period piece, and it takes a lot more money. But we look at how this movie is. I've seen it once. I'm looking at what this movie is. I think it had enough budget that you could have pulled off something like that. And again, that's just another piece of writing that falls short. Uh, everything that we've discussed tonight... It's just comes down to bad writing. It just and that's I hate using that term, but there's nothing else that I can talk, especially with the last movie. Like that's bad writing all around. Well, it's something we've been talking about lately. It's just the elements of making a movie are more available than ever, and that's great. But people are kind of wasting it, and they're just like, oh, I want to make a movie. I want to make a horror movie, and they just start throwing shit at the screen as opposed to sitting down and actually thinking about what they want to say with their horror film. What what are you trying to say? And it doesn't have to have a deep fucking like message, but at least it needs to have an idea other than just like a gimmick. And that's what it seems it just seems like everything is just a, a fucking gimmick movie. And no one's actually taking time to invest a human element or any sort of like thought past killer pants, Nazi experiments fucking dying father say it's just like it's this is the idea let's pull this off and it's like well why do you want to tell the story how are you emotionally involved in the story how are you going to get people emotionally involved in the story and that's the most important thing because what film is is storytelling and i think we're losing the storytelling element to just kind of be exploitive and just like have a bunch of like ideas thrown at us because I want to be a director, so I'm going to direct. Well, that's great and all, but do you actually, is there a purpose of you being a director other than you want to do it? Because do you have anything to say? If you don't, then sit the fuck down. There's no point in you making a movie if you have nothing to say with said movie. You're just taking up, like, space. You're just taking up Amazon space of just all the, like, the thousands and millions of movies that are on there. It's just, so you just want to be another, like, uh, found footage horror movie on Amazon that's going to get skipped over six million times this month or do you actually want to make something that people talk about and people uh will want to watch years down the road like because film is forever like treat it as such treat it as it's going to be the only film you'll ever make oh we didn't give a rating it's a two it's a two for don't go in the fucking or is it was it stay out of the fucking attic stay out of the fucking attic um yeah two solid i'll, I'll agree with you fully on that shutter is 
I would say out of all the platforms that I'm subscribed to, it's one of the most useful for me. If you're a horror fan, it's definitely useful. If uh, you're like a casual horror fan, you might enjoy it for a lot of the other, because I mean, they do have some not as horror related stuff on there. Like, um, that TV show, a discovery of witches is on there and a couple other things. Uh, one thing I really think that shutter should be champion for is the amount of foreign films that they really put on their main roster. You can log into the website and immediately the first thing you see is their recently added movies and nine times out of 10, it's a foreign feature, which I think is great for the market that we are really oversaturated with, with just American products. When you get on Amazon, when you're trying to find a new movie, it's constantly the exact same market, and sometimes it gives you hope. Sometimes it lets you reevaluate what you love, finding some horror film from France or Indonesia or somewhere anywhere inside of uh, the world, our, our world, and being able to enjoy it. And Shudder really has a great selection when it comes to finding new and original things that aren't American. For what Shudder is, I think it's probably the best app for any horror fan. I think that especially offering something like The Last Drive-In, Joe Bob Show, so many people have been brought together just from Shudder. There's a Facebook group, the official Last Drive-In Facebook group, some 50,000 members of people that just happily communicate because they all love Joe Bob, no matter what the movies are. Shudder really has done something that, that networks lost. I mean, we used to have horror hosts. We used to have Joe Bob on, on television and things like that. And the need for criticism because of the internet. And it's not necessarily the need for criticism, but that is what, what Joe Bob Briggs is. Not everything is a good review. Not everything is pleasant. Not everything is wonderful. He gives movies two and three star ratings and the audience still goes crazy. When we do that, it, it's the same love. It's the same concept. It's the same place we're coming from. So I might give this movie two stars. Don't take it fucking personal. <laughs> I'm not assaulting you. I'm not attacking you. And I don't have anything against the filmmakers. And if they make another movie, I look forward to seeing it. If it comes out on Shudder, I probably will. So with that, the ashtray is full and the bottle is empty. This is the end of the Shudder Shindig. Thank you for tuning in. See us next week. Always have a good tomorrow. Be pleasant. Something like that. On the next episode, step right up and have your tickets ready. Next week on Death by DVD, we take a trip to the amusement park. recorded in front of a dead studio audience. Portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced. The management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning.